0: The season that we're in right now, uh, Advent, is such an important season because so often we just immediately think about Christmas. And forget that there's this beautiful season before Christmas, this pre-Christmas season called Advent. And for some people that aren't as familiar with how uh, some church traditions over the centuries have, have um, really planned out what's called the church year, Advent is the beginning of the church year. Now, why would the church in former centuries think of a timeline that they would teach throughout the year? And it was really to help Christians It helped Christians learn and relearn the gospel story every single year. So from Advent to Christmas and Epiphany and Lent and Easter and Pentecost, really helping those Christ followers in that era to kind of re-engage the story. And it really came out in a time when um, people didn't have a written Bible uh, like we do have today. But you know what? It's strange. As much as there's millions of Bibles all over the world, many of us still miss the whole gospel story. And so Advent is really a helpful way for us to start. The word really means anticipation. It means uh, expectation of something God was going to do. And often that means just waiting waiting for what that looks like, waiting for God to do something. And so today we're starting a brand new series for the next few weeks, leading us up to Christmas in this season of Advent, and we're calling it Waiting on the Word. And it's a great kind of next step from what we just finished last week called the Practice of Scripture. I'm not teaching it alone. John Wayne's going to teach uh, next week and kind of lead us in, in next week's theme uh, as we continue the whole series. But I'm going to start today. We're going we're to be immersing ourselves in, uh, in one passage of Scripture, John chapter 1. And so if you've got a Bible, uh, turn to it. Even if you're at home, turn to your Bibles. And um, or you can follow on the screen as well. And, and this is going to help us start off. And for these next few weeks, we're going to basically swim in these 13 or 14 verses at the beginning of John's gospel. Some people call it the prologue uh, of his gospel. So let's, let's read it together. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. God, as we enter into this Advent season and open up the scriptures this morning... Uh, Would you grab our attention to who you are, God? Help us to just immerse ourselves in this waiting, anticipatory moment that is part of your story. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this intro to John's Gospel is a little different. If you're familiar with the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke start differently. Some different introductions. Matthew starts with a whole genealogy that kind of like points this timeline of when Jesus came into human history uh, Luke tells the birth story Mark just gets right into it and tells us who Jesus is but John is a little different. And in fact, his gospel is very different from the other gospels. And he he introduces us to Jesus in such a unique way before we even meet him, before we hear a word or read a word about him or from him. And this introduction, this prologue reminds me of something that happened to me several years ago. Uh, Before I was married, my brother and a couple of two cousins of mine, we took a road trip to Philadelphia. And we're all Flyers fans. I don't know why this happened in our family. I have no idea. Some Canadian fans are going to be very mad at me, but our family in general were, were Flyers fans. So we, we jumped in a car, we drove to Philadelphia, and that night, Philly and New Jersey were playing, and like rival teams. They're not that far from each other. They could drive to each other's cities, and uh, it was crazy. Like, I was never in an American city for an American hockey game, and the, the event and the atmosphere was explosive. And as much as the main event was in the seats, and obviously near the ice, and watching the game. As soon as I entered the stadium... There was you could just get this feel that you were being led towards something. So you walk in the stadium and you get this introduction like to the history and and vibe of the team. I mean, there was pictures on the walls and black and whites and old coaches and old players and old masks and equipment and and you just you saw the feel of how the Flyers started their history. And there's artifacts and statues as you walk through the hallways, and then you walk in the gift shop and you can pick up a brand new jersey but you can also pick up like the old looking paraphernalia and logos and crests and things like that and and one thing this stadium had that was pretty cool was they had table hockey games in the hallway so you can actually stop and play hockey with a friend before you actually got to your seat and what i noticed as we walked through this stadium was they were pointing us to who the team was and where they came from and what their story was about and even hockey itself. You kind of got this this sense that as you walked from like the parking lot to arriving at your seat, like they were taking you onto this journey to help you understand where all this came from. And that's kind of like what John is doing at the beginning of this gospel. This introduction is really unique and, and, and he helps us get a sense of where all this is coming from. And he, he starts off with a unique phrase. He, he says something that probably throws the reader off initially. He says, in the beginning, it's familiar language for a Jewish audience and maybe for Christians as well. You'll recognize that though, that phrase is exactly the same phrase from Genesis one. That's describing the creation narrative. And you stop and think, like, where is this gospel going? What is John going to tell us? Like, what is he going to write about in the beginning? And John finishes the sentence very differently than Genesis does because Genesis finishes that sentence with, sentence with God, and John finishes that sentence with the Word. In the beginning was the Word. I think even someone familiar with Genesis might just need to wrap their brains around like, what is John doing? What's he getting at? Where is he headed with all of this? And just to pull us back into the whole of scripture, the idea of the word or God's word is all over scriptures. And, you know, if you've been tracking with us for several weeks, you know that we've been walking through what the scriptures is actually in our previous series. But here's Psalm 33, 6 says this about God's word literally his words. He says, it says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. It's almost like we get this sense that whatever God says he is and whatever comes from his mouth is part of his identity and even his very breath and, and what comes from him gives us a sense of who he is. And that's the same with you and me, right? Like if you say something like, I'm looking at Melina here in the crowd, whatever she says is really who she is. And when you think of something or create something or do something, your words matter. And it tells us who you are. And the same thing with God. Whatever God speaks, God is. Whatever God says tells us who he is and what he's about. And so the idea of the word of God in scripture really indicates his heart and who he is and what he's thinking And so when John uses this phrase, the word, he tells us that the word was in the beginning and the word was God and the word was with God, not just is God, but was with God. And you're like, well, how can God, how can the word be with God and be God at the same time? Unless the word is also someone else and not just God, but also God. Well, we don't have time to go into the whole doctrine of the Trinity here, but there's a lot of stuff behind that phrase. And that word that John uses, the word in Greek is the word logos, which has this big idea of wisdom that steers everything. This, this incredible wisdom that steers all things. And John introduces us to God's wisdom in person. In a different way than any part of the scripture ever helped us understand before. But John's not just writing about who God is or who God was in the past. He's he's writing a gospel. He's telling us about Jesus. The gospels are all about Jesus. So John introduces us to Jesus. What each gospel is meant for. But he's pointing to us that something so extraordinary about who Jesus is. That Jesus somehow has been part of God's story and part of God's world from the very, very beginning. And it's giving us a sense that this gospel is bigger than biography. That this gospel is bigger than genealogy. That this gospel is bigger than person, place, and location. It's bigger than that. And yet, also telling us that the world is waiting for this word to show up and appear in the flesh. And in this prologue, we kind of live between the times because John tells us and speaks about the past, right? Like four times he uses the word was, like the word was in the beginning or was God or was with God. And so that word was points us back to like, oh, this happened in the past. John tells us that through him, through this word, all things were made, so it points us back to this happened in the past. But it's telling us that Jesus has been involved in, in, the, in creation, and in the whole of God's story right from the beginning. But it's saying more than that. It's telling us that Jesus actually existed when creation took place. Jesus existed when creation came into being. And then John shifts to his present, not our present, his present, when he says, in him was Life. And that life was light or the light of mankind. I know you just gotta stop there for a second. It's like something big is happening, something different is taking place here. Something was about to happen where this word would enter God's story as a character, like not just as the creator, but as a character. There's the creation, the account, the whole story of God, but now this word is entering God's story as a character in the story. One version, the NRSV says in verse four, what came into being in him was life. And it's kind of like something new was coming into being, but it It wasn't what God already did. It's what God was doing in that moment. It wasn't just what God already created, but some new creation happening inside this creation. Like the past, God created, but now there's this new creation erupting inside God's creation, and it's full of life, and it's brand new, and it's life-giving. It's like Israel and the world was waiting for the word of God God's wisdom in person to show up, and when God sent His Son, there was this, this this understanding that the word had life. Life because, well, the word was part of creation, but also life because this word would breed something brand new into God's creation. I don't know if you ever felt that, like something exists and then something new kind of just pops up in the middle of it. And I, I, I kind of had this image because a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, my wife wanted to put like shelves on our, on our wall in our living room. And so our living room wall has pretty much looked the same for the last five or six years. And, uh, and so a couple of weeks ago, she's like, oh, let's, let's do this. You know, Dave, can you go buy some wood or whatever? So went to pick up some pine and, and um, we put these shelves together. By the way, I'm very, I'm not very good at this stuff, so you know we pieced it together and it did work nothing's fallen apart so she sanded it she stained it and then we mounted it on the wall and what was kind of cool was over the next week or so these days a lot of people talk through FaceTime sometimes like you know what yeah we can talk on the phone but I want to see a face right so i would overhear my wife talking to a friend or maybe a family member and i'd hear the person on the other end say hey your wall looks different because FaceTime has been used before, right? Like before the, the change. And it's like, hey, that, what's that shelf? Oh, that looks, that looks different. That looks cool. Is that new? And so people are asking, like, what would you do to your wall? What happened here? And so what's new? What's the change? And you got to understand, like, we've been living in this house for 15 years. The color on the wall is like nine years old. The couch we're sitting on is six or seven years old. There is nothing new about my living room at the moment. But... The shelf was new. And so it kind of reminded me of like something brand new inside something that already existed for years and it caught people's attention. There was something new within the creation of our house. And that's kind of what's happening right now when John's telling us something brand new, the word was bringing something new within what God had already created and Jesus was bringing it about or he was going to bring it about. And that's what Advent is. Advent is anticipating new creation within the existing creation. God's story was already in play, but something brand new was gonna take place as God's word, wisdom, son, begins to act within creation as the creator, now the word enters in as a character in the story. That's That's what Advent is. It's anticipating something brand new within what's already been created. Israel was waiting for a promised Messiah. Uh, The world was waiting for salvation. God's story was waiting for this prophesied climax in the middle of this story. And this waiting was taking place. But we just read it on these pages. But it was years of waiting. It was years of waiting for Israel. It was years of waiting for the world. It was years of waiting within the whole story. And I don't know about you, but waiting's not easy. We got a couple of kids in our gathering today, and I'm sure for kids, waiting isn't easy. (laughs) But even for adults, waiting isn't easy. And today, a lot of us are waiting, if we're honest, for the fullness of new creation. Even if you're following Christ, even if God has transformed your heart, even if you have hope in Christ and in the resurrection, there is still a sense that we're waiting for the fullness of everything God is going to do. Isn't that true? See, Jesus brought God's kingdom near, and Jesus secured uh, future resurrection for those in Christ, but we're still waiting for its fullness. Just like Israel was waiting for their Messiah and the world was waiting for a Savior. And right now I think all of us feel the weight even more because we don't go out as much. We can't see people as much, and we're limited in our travel, and we're limited in what we're doing, and we see feel the weight of waiting. I mean, the effects of sin and brokenness and rebellion in our world have just been highlighted. We just see them more because of the situation we're in. We're seeing in our own lives and in our own neighborhoods. And COVID has made us even more aware of our longing for salvation. But here's the beauty of Advent is that Advent helps us remember that we're still waiting for the fullness of new creation. And so in Advent, we resituate ourselves in this story, this lead up to Christmas. In Advent, we remind ourselves not only that Christmas was coming and came, but that God's new creation in all its fullness one day will come. And that's part of our waiting waiting for the Word. Waiting for the Word. In the initial wait and the wait for the fullness in its future. Here's my hope for all of us as I think about John's prologue. Because John's prologue really kind of stirs us to get reinstated in this story. It's three really fast things. And my hope is this, as we immerse ourselves in John's prologue here, one is that it leads us to Jesus. Because this was John's desire. I mean, John tells us at the end of his gospel, like, I, I hope that everything I've written here will lead you to believe in Jesus. But at the beginning of the prologue, he's inspiring us. He's helping us see there's something big going on here, and it's bigger than just a biography. And I hope that as we read this prologue the next few weeks, that it inspires us, it attracts us to read and reread the story of Jesus. Maybe you're going to read through the Gospel of John or go back to some of the other Gospels because Advent immerses us back into the story leading up to Jesus' incarnation. The wait, the anticipation, the expectation, the hope, And and maybe you're going to, as you're reading parts of the story, like today, we're reading it and we're like, oh, this goes back to Genesis. And maybe you want to go back and read what that creation narrative sounded like or felt like and why John would have inserted those words in John 1. And maybe you might want to go back and read some of Isaiah's prophecy about the coming Messiah. However you do that, this prologue invites us into the mystery of Advent. Advent. Leading up to the incarnation. And you know what? It's not just for you. It's not just for me. You might be watching today. You might be here today. And you're like, oh yeah, as a Christ follower, I get this. You know, I read about the word, right? But John's language is not just for Christians or Jews. The prologue includes language for Jews and Greeks and Stoics and agnostics as an invitation, right? The Jews would have read in the beginning and thought, oh, I get that. Genesis, this story is for me. The Greeks would have read the word logos, the wisdom that Greeks were so enamored with and said, oh my gosh, maybe this story's for me too. Maybe there's something that I am going to get from this story. Greeks and Gentiles that weren't part of that were thinking of, you know, reading what this all looked like. Even the Stoics and agnostics looking at this and saying, is there something for me in here? The word was life. I'm looking for life. The word is light. I'm looking for light. And so the introduction of this draws people in. And I hope it draws us in to discover Jesus in fresh ways. And even if you're with us today and you're just starting to explore faith, I hope this just draws you in to search. But it does something else. It also helps us understand that Jesus is the lens to all Scripture. I'm not going to go into that because we've talked about it for the last six weeks in this previous series called The Practice of Scripture. But Jesus is called the Word, And we read the word, the scriptures. And Jesus is the logos, the breath, the wisdom of God. And so this helps us understand. And John's helping us see that he's discovered. And as he's come to know Christ and his story, that Jesus is the lens to reading all of scripture. He's the climax of the story. And the last thing, and I think this is very personal for each of us, is that this prologue leads us to life. Like, see, in this season of forced waiting, in this season, our circumstances with the virus and isolation and uncertainty and, and social uh, disconnection from people, this idea of waiting is just like, oh my gosh, I've never felt like I've waited so long in my life for something. And yet in the middle of this, John says, in him was life. This life is coming and was coming and entering into the world. And just like if we can put ourselves back in that story, just like in the middle of God's creation, this new creation is, is coming through, that's what, I think that's what we're waiting for in some ways. This new life to happen in our own life, to come into being through something beyond us, which is Jesus and so my encouragement to you and to us as we start this Advent season, as we're, we're waiting in the middle of the season that feels like increased waiting, I want to just encourage you. There is life in him. In him was life and is life. And that's for you and that's for me. And it comes through the word, Jesus, God's son, God's wisdom, God's creative word in Christ comes through him and so today i want to invite us maybe you need to step back and say hey um i want to now jump back into this story step back so you can jump back in and realize it leads us to jesus that jesus is the lens and there's life in him i could take a moment and i want to pray together before we head into communion today because um this is so vital for so many of us And so many of your friends and family members and coworkers are longing for life right now and they don't know where to find it. And here we have this promise that in him was life. God, may we grab a hold of this invitation in these first few verses of John's gospel. This prologue that invites us in, that draws us in, that attracts us, that leads us to Jesus. God, for many of us who um, our lives are, are maybe already in motion of following Christ, God, may we be reminded of who Jesus is and how his coming initially was so anticipated. But God, for some that maybe are with us today that are longing for life and don't know where to grasp for it. God, I pray that even some of the language of this prologue invites them in. Just like it would have spoken to the Jew or Gentile or Greek or Stoic at the time, God. God may reach deep into the human heart of everyone who's listening today. And God, remind us that even as we wait for new creation... We wait with hope. We wait with anticipation. And even in our suffering or even in the slowness of the wait or even in the struggle, we trust and know the hope that is coming because Jesus has already come and has died and resurrected and now calls us forward to look. And so we wait in this period as well, God. And we trust you. We put our faith in you.